Well, hello everybody and welcome to another wonderful episode of The Word on the Hill. We are the Lanky Guys. <laughs> and and if you don't like our podcast, we'll sell you a car. <laughs> it's only got 100,000 miles. 100,000 miles. <laughs> Clean. Dude. Handyman's delight. <laughs> uh, I'm Father Peter Musset. I am Dr. Scott Powell. Yeah, nice work, <laughs> dude. Did you do that last week? I, I've done it the last like three weeks, and now I feel awkward every time I say it. Because uh, you pause and <laughs> reflect like, on it. I'm, I'm going to stop saying it. No, you have to keep saying it. <laughs> I don't think I will. Oh, it is Palm Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Palm Sunday. Sunday. Slim Jim. Dude, so th- this is a... This is a wild part about this uh, next week is that like we have two weeks in a row without our 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. masses here. Oh, my, oh, my. I That's know. right. Because it's, like, it's spring. Well, if it wasn't spring, spring break. break, would we have those masses still? Um, we would have the masses for... Um, uh, Palm f- Sunday, for, for Palm Sunday. Yeah, that's what that's more what I meant. But but I you never do evening masses on on Easter. Ain't never do evening masses. Mm-mm. Even I know that. Mm-mm. So well, um, you guys, this is your C, and uh, and it's a really long reading. Just really? in case you're wondering, and there's an extra reading on top of that. There's like two gospels. We can start with the gospel if we want to do this week. Well, there's a gospel at the beginning. That's what we I have, mean. Well, we have to. I mean, I'm just saying, you know how like we're always talking about <laughs> yeah. that moment? No, that, I know what you're doing, but I'm not going to let you get away with it. What am I doing? I'm going to derail you like you always derail me. <laughs> Dude, hey. I was I was listening to the podcast last week. I have Aww. to say that I'm like super intimidated because like Father, Father Brady, Brady brought his game. Dude, he brought the A game. He, he did. He, he was funny. He was. He was and, delightful. Dude, and he was like making all these weird like chapter verse references. And I was like, dude, I, I was like, hi. <laughs> I'm a priest too. <laughs> I got a degree in in the, the theology, and I. <laughs> I keep thinking about his egg analogy in the hand. Remember, hold, oh, hold yeah, it yeah. too tightly, or the chip, the Bo Wagner hand yeah. shake. It's a good analogy. It is a good a- analogy. Well, yeah. with just a th- a public thank you to Father Brady for for filling your very uh very um notable shoes <laughs> Note, that you were I, I like that you have to just say notable well, i couldn't think of the right because venerable venerable dang it that's the word i was looking oh, for i was looking for venerable i thought you were just saying that like ah, doggone it yeah dude he's he's good and um thankfully and that i don't ever have to listen to it again <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> I, actually it really makes me sad because father brady is moving um he's gonna go be a formator at saint john vianney theological seminary in denver Which, can you pick a bet i mean do you want anybody else forming the future priests me well you're staying here <laughs> i know i'm you're, just you're staying I'm just, put i'm just joking but that, if you had to like, pick the guy that you want to be the example for the future priests of this diocese i think i mean he's phenomenal holy cow he's the one you want no he's really gonna do so good like yeah. i mean he's he's a great spiritual director he's a generous and kind soul he cries a lot and the dude can dance oh no he really can dude he's got the flavor when it comes down to it yeah he does Anyway, we should get rolling because we got a lot today. So rolling, our rolling, first rolling. reading, get them doggies rolling, which comes hide. with the procession of the Psalms, Palms. <laughs> <laughs> the procession of the Psalms is a very abstract thought. Yeah, it is. They're all. I just picture all 150 that. 150 of them. Those the schoolhouse rock cartoons. You know that where the bill becomes a law. Just all the <laughs> Psalms rolled up in scrolls, dancing, again, <laughs> and processing. 
Either I have a weird mind. Anyway, the procession with palms, the reading that we read. So this is where we're outside of the church at this point, correct? Yes. Okay. So when well, we're most likely, yeah. I mean, depending on how you're. There's three versions does. of it. Really? Yeah, in the lectionary. Oh That's confusing. Well, wherever you are, there's going to be a gospel first. Yes. There, there's regardless. I mean, even if a, a church doesn't do a full-out procession, it still always begins with the gospel, right? Right. Okay. So the gospel reading at the beginning and the procession of the song of the palms is Luke chapter 19, verses 18 through 40. It, it's funny how... 28 Luke, to 40. What did I say? 18. Oh, whatever. It's funny. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> it's all context. But it's funny how the... the um, it's Passion Sunday, so I mean this is appropriate, but that the readings really bookend the story of what happened. So it's Jesus entering Jerusalem at the beginning, and then we'll see Jesus led to his death at the end of the Mass. So this Mass spans that whole week, really. Yeah. So we get a nutshell of the whole of Holy Week today. I mean, th- that's the whole thing about Palm Sunday is it is the overture, if you're familiar yeah. with classical music. Um, so then our first reading after we read the Gospel is Isaiah 50, 4 through 7. Mm, that's right. And our responsorial psalm is coming from Psalm 22, verses 8 through 9, then jumping all the way to 17 through 18, 19 through 20, and 23 through 24. With our versicle coming from 2A. It's the first time in a long time it hasn't just kind of been straight through the psalm. I know. So, anyway. It's 22, baby. So, um, (laughs) then we get into Philippians uh, 2, 6 through 11. The canonic hymn. Dude, that's awesome. Which we referenced last week. We're going backwards in uh, Philippians. Have you noticed that? Dude, it's like three weeks. Yeah, it's like memento. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is like that. <laughs> Brad Pitt's going to show up at any moment. <laughs> Our gospel then is coming from Luke chapter 22, so about three chapters after the first reading. Luke 22, verse 14 through 23, verse 56. Dude, that's like Real a, long. Um, and we're going to read, we're going to do a recitation of the whole thing, <laughs> Every not word. on this podcast. Oh. Yeah. Dude, when uh, Palm Sunday, dude, if you have three uh, Palm Sunday masses in a row, Ooh. It, it's, it's, Ooh. it's actually, it's a really deep meditation. On your legs. Yeah, and on the soreness of your calves. Oh yeah, exactly. It's like stand in your presence and minister to you. So, dude, we. Uh, but yeah, I think it's. I think it's. You can never underestimate the importance of. Uh, I mean, I, I was thinking about it. The churches does the the way she structures the readings, um, as having Palm Sunday. If you're only a Sunday going Catholic, hmm. then you get the whole preparation for the Easter mystery. That's oh, that's a good point. I haven't thought about it that way because you do get good fr- the Good Friday service is essentially in there. Tenebrae, not Tenebrae, but the uh-huh. Holy Thursday, the last um, the, the the Feast of the Apostles, uh, ah, the Feast, Feast of the Last, last supper. supper. Thank you. Yeah, you really do get it all sort of in in overture form. I don't want to say condensed form. You get an overture form. Y- yeah, it's it's actually, um, and this is what I was thinking about is like. It's so much like how Genesis takes um, the overarching story, and then in Genesis chapter three, it it, it dives deep into the fall of or, I, or whatever. Uh, chapter two, it. verse four. Sorry, yeah. two four. Yeah, I'm not good at the addresses. No, no, you're right. So there's two creation stories. One is the big picture, all the cosmos, and then one zeroes in on Adam and Eve in particular. And so, yeah, yeah. so this is actually what ends up happening is that we have that same structure yeah. actually present in our liturgical expression. Yeah, that's this cool. last week. Oh, I like that. Isn't that a kind of a nice way to think about it? I've never thought about it that way, but um, because I've had small children, I haven't made it to the Holy Thursday and the Good Friday services, and which which used to be my favorite, you know, masses of the year. 
well, services of the year. They're not both masses. But it's just harder. So this actually is comforting that, okay, for this season, it's all still there. I'm still getting all, I'm still getting fed in this way. It, that's in, beautiful. Invited into the full mystery. Yeah. That's my only insight for this whole week, too. That's a good one, though. That's a great insight. No, you'll have more. Okay. All right. So in the in the Palm Sunday procession, so we, we are told the story of Jesus's procession into Jerusalem. And I know... I mean, I'm sure every Palm Sunday, I didn't go back and listen to the last three years, but every Sunday, we, every Palm Sunday, we talk about the same story. And I'm sure that I always bring up the whole idea, you know, Jesus is coming into town. Um, there are, uh, there's, there's echoes of um, the prophet Zechariah, you know, your king is coming to you humble and riding on an ass. Uh, there's there's echoes of Judas Maccabeus, this great hero who conquered Greece and then marched into Jerusalem and cleansed the temple of the Greek uh, trappings. There's King Jehu. There's there's King David riding on the donkey. All these things, um, which are surely taking place. But the the key to the whole thing is this: most people who were in Jerusalem that day. Here's this is right before the Passover feast. This is one of the pilgrim... <laughs> what? They're, they're all just going about their stuff. Well, no, they're not going about their stuff. There's thousands of people literally making pilgrimage into Jerusalem. Oh. This is not just a normal day in Jerusalem. This is the week... Mm. This is a few days before one of the biggest pilgrim feasts of the year. So thousands are flocking into Jerusalem this day. This is a very uh, pertinent day for Jesus to do what he's doing. This isn't just a normal day in Jerusalem. So it's very public, very it's very national in a certain sense. It's not Huge. a local expression. This is like exactly th- let, like let's actually pull off the uh, let's pull off a big expression of what I'm about to go for. That's absolutely it. And and I mean, so if there's thousands of people coming into Jerusalem this day, hundreds, thousands, whatever it is, there's only there's literally only one person who's riding on an animal because a pilgrim feast meant you travel on foot. So I just want to point out how how. In the midst of thousands of people, most of whom have never heard of this Jesus guy before, mm. there is one guy riding on an animal into the city, which is a huge no-no, because especially on a pilgrim feast, it's a time that you walk. And riding on an animal, <laughs> again, there's the reference to the prophecy in Zechariah about the humility of the donkey. But on the flip side of that, only kings ride donkeys into the holy city. It's not done. So anybody looks at this guy and they're like, oh, my God. So, so here's here's what's significant. And in other Gospels, people are, you know, they're waving palm branches. They're shouting Hosanna. And they're simultaneously saying to each other, hey, who is this guy? Who is this guy? They have no idea. Now, in this account, in Luke's account, there's all the disciples are flipping out. And that's not just the 12 apostles. There's probably lots of disciples and people who are following and coming with him that are there. They're probably riling up the crowd for good reason. And the Pharisees get mad, and they're like, stop doing this. But here's the thing we need to know. Um, as thousands of people are coming in, there's only one guy running on a donkey. That's really, really significant because in Jesus' time, and we've talked about this, there were tons of people claiming to be Messiah. There were tons of people claiming to be the Christ, which simply means the anointed one. Right. Everybody knew that in this time period, because there's prophecies in Daniel that say when he's coming, everybody knew around this time, God's going to send his Messiah. Nobody realized it was going to be God himself, number one. Good. But lots of people, probably, you know, there's probably scammers and people who are trying to, you know, scam the system, claiming to be Messiah. But there's probably <laughs> other people who legitimately might think they are because nobody knew who God was going to send. And maybe someone's like, well, maybe he's choosing me like one of the prophets. Maybe I'm called to do these great things. So there's tons of people saying this. 
But to go into Jerusalem, so there's in the midst of probably hundreds of people saying, I'm Messiah. No, I'm the king. I'm the chosen one to take down Rome. I'm the chosen one to do these things. No one on earth has the guts to get on a donkey, to act like a king, and to march into the holy city on a feast pilgrim day. Right. That is, I mean, either if you have the guts to do that. So again, it's one thing to claim your Messiah. It's one thing to rally a bunch of people in the hill country of Judea in the middle of nowhere to gather, to make speeches, to tell people to get weapons. It's one thing to do all that. It's another thing to go right in front of Pontius Pilate, right in front of the governors who are in control of the city and march on a donkey and make your claim to king. You are either correct and God's going to protect you or you are going to die. Yeah. Those are the only two options. So when people well, actually, see- Actually, there's a third option. Is there? Yeah, you're correct and you're going to- <laughs> you're correct. And you're gonna die. But imagine the people, they're like, this is great. Everybody's claiming to be Messiah. Everyone wants to set us free from our enemies, but nobody's doing it. This guy, whoever he is, he's making a play for it. This is the first person who's actually gone and said, okay, I'm doing it. So whether you know who this guy is or not, you understand the symbolism. Wow. And I wonder if wow. then the Pharisees are like, you guys have got to stop this. Someone's going to get killed. You know, we think of the Pharisees in the most negative light of quiet down your disciples and you got to get them to stop doing this. Right. But on another level, they're probably like, if you don't stop this, somebody's going to die today. Right. This is not okay. Like, it's great to make your little speeches. You got to cool it. And Jesus' response is, even the stones will cry out if I don't do this and if they're silenced, because this is the moment that all of salvation history has been waiting for, for the mm. Son of God to come and take his throne. But his throne is going to be something very different than what we all expect it to be. Mm. So that's this moment, um, yeah. which is just on a political, societal level, what Jesus is doing is unbelievable. And this is why the whole city is stirred down to the little children, as, as Matthew and Mark say. Oh, yeah. Even if it's a short ride. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and that's actually w- what we have to remember is that, like, you would see somebody come in and everybody would talk about it. They would be like, oh, yeah. They're, and, like, people are singing Hosanna and they're, like, doing, they're going for it. But e- even the apostles, is, is they're, like, going, like, can we have this cult? The master has need of it. <laughs> it's like, but they're probably excited because this is the fir- for the, from their point of view, this is like the first time that Jesus is actually acting like a king. Mm. They've been waiting, and they're like, "Okay, when are we going to have the when are we going to have the thrones, and when are we going to have the power?" And right. but we're wandering around, sleeping on people's couches, and we're kind of an itinerant. When are you going to act like a king? And now they're like, "He's getting a donkey. He's going for it." <laughs> they're probably super pumped. Dude, if I ever am going to go like go for it, uh, Scott, I'm just going to turn to you and be like, get the donkey. Get the donkey. Get the, the donkey. Code. That's the code. Which um, that, is please. our transition. It, it really is a good transition into, into Isaiah. Um, the, the Isaiah passage, it's, it's probably familiar to us. The Lord has given me a well-trained tongue that I may know how to speak to the weary, a word that will rouse them. And then it talks about, I have not rebelled. I turned my back to give to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked my beard. This is suffering servant. It's all part. about, it's the third of the suffering servant hymns. Hymns, songs. songs. I was about to say, yeah. I was too. Oh, look at us. Yeah, dude, this is oh. good. We're we're in like the, the mind meld of the Vulcan type. Synchronized. We're, I think syn- we're synchronized. Dude, I have to say, man, your mind is like so sharp ever since you've had to like get beat down by doing a PhD. I feel the opposite way. Today I'm on. 
<laughs> yeah. But in general, it hasn't been so. Uh, something funny about the, that's not funny, about Isaiah. So I, I was reading the, the verses that precede this because it's verse four. Not ha-ha funny, but like funny like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Point, not really poignant either. But it, it's <laughs> it's funny the way that this chapter opens. It opens by saying, this is what the Lord says. Where is your mother's certificate of divorce on which I sent her away? Or your creditors? Or to which of my creditors did I sell you? Because of my, because of your sins, you were sold. Because of your transgressions, your mother sent you away. It, it begins in this really dark, like, oh my god, what? Oh goodness, what's going on here? Well, I mean, it, it, what a vision into the crucifixion. Well, yes. I mean, Mary didn't send him away. We're not talking about. We're talking about the motherland. Yeah, it, it's yes, it is in a certain. Yeah, no, I think that's totally right. It's also recalling though salvation history up to this point. Because, um, you know, the old, mm-hmm. elsewhere in the Old Testament, the prophets have talked about the northern kingdom have basically divorced themselves, and God has permitted them to be divorced. And even Judah is now divorcing herself from God. Ooh. Um, so if you're a Jew, and if you're an Israelite, and you're thinking about, okay, the northern kingdom has now fallen, the, we in Jerusalem were being attacked by Assyria, things are going really bad, has God abandoned us, has he rejected us? Here's Isaiah like, no, if you feel like you've been divorced by God, it's because you did it yourselves. God didn't hand you a certificate of divorce. God's not handing you over to your creditors. You're doing it all yourself. God is simply God. You have turned your back on him. You have thrown this divorce certificate in his face. You have broken off from him. He didn't do this. And then it goes on. It says, when I came, why wasn't there anybody? Why was there no one? When I called, why was there no answer? Was my arm too short to ransom you? Did I lack the strength to rescue you? By a mere rebuke, I dry up the sea and I turn the rivers to desert. I clothe the sky with darkness. Um, I make sackcloth this covering. I didn't do this. Basically, what God is saying through Isaiah is that Israel, you're in a really, really dark place. And apply this to Palm Sunday. Israel, you're in a really dark place. Your oppressors have overtaken you. You feel like your God has abandoned you. You feel divorced and cut off from the covenant and from the God who made you. Guess what, says God? I didn't do it. You cut yourself off. Was my arm not not strong enough? Was my... Was my will not powerful enough? Will I not rescue you? And then it turns to what we get. Guess what? The Lord gave me a well-trained tongue to speak, to know how to speak to the weary that I might rouse them. Uh, morning after mornings, he opens my ear that I may hear. I have not rebelled. God did not turn his back on us. We turned our back on God. And now God has made the initiative to come out to put his life on the line, literally, and come and rescue us. That's um, does that make any sense? Does it that does. connection make sense? Well, it does. Like, I was struck by it. Um, I, what's happening inside of me as you talk is this simultaneous experience of knowing that all of Israel is going through precisely what you're talking about. Like, you know, it's it's the old uh, it's the old colloquialism. You know, uh, if you feel like God, if God isn't there, guess who moved? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, right. it, it, it's 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 yeah. like expressing that. But then what happens is that we we're about to enter into Psalm twenty two. This oh, is actually boy. like like these two are so profoundly joined. Yes, because um, yes. my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What happens is that we're about to enter into Christ's entering into the very experience of Israel that they're numbing out to. 
There, Say that one more time. I want to wrap my head around that. Jesus is entering into the experience of which you just talked about uh, okay. uh, from this suffering servant. Okay, the, yes. like, like, like the suffering servant is yes. is experiencing all of what Israel is yes. actually supposed to experience. And is experiencing. And, and is experiencing. On, on a real level. On a real level. They're feeling abandonment. They're feeling beat up. They're feeling all these things. But they're numbing out to it or they're trying yeah. to manage it through yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. through increasingly difficult levels of um, of discipline yeah. Yeah. rather than the heart, which is like, it's like, give me check boxes rather than the heart. Like, give me a task to do so I can go do whatever I want versus like, no, actually convert and follow the Lord your God yeah. who's here with you. But it, it yeah. like, yeah. you know, we... Um, I watched a, a movie the other day called The Experimenter. Okay. And The Experimenter is about these like weird obedience tests. Like there's a teacher and a learner and the teacher has to like give electric shocks to this learner. And, but it's it's all like a setup. Okay. It, it's, it's a very basic That's psychology crazy. 101. And this guy, because he was trying to figure out how, why the, um, why there was obedience uh, in the Nazi regime to do these really horrifying, terrible things. Okay. And the result was, is whenever anybody hears about this, they're like, dude, there's no way I would have, I would have shocked anybody. Yeah. I would have gotten one and I heard a guy scream and I would have done it. But in, in fact, it's actually not yeah. true. Like, yeah. like we're, we're the glorious benefactors of, mm. we, uh, I mean, sorry, we're the uh, glorious recipients mm. of this um, handing on of a tradition of, of understanding who Jesus Christ is. Yes. If we were in the zone of this, man, it's such a profound difficulty to be able to accept who to say, here's this man who stands in front of us claiming to be God. I am, he says. And all of these expressions like uh, of like breaking out of these traditional norms and these, these things and that like, uh, and and trying to enter into in a personal way in a unique and and uh, individual way into the, the the very essence of the difficulty of Israel. Yeah. Like it's really hard to receive. Well, it is because and I, I mean we're not far from this. I'm not I have no interest in talking about politics today, but I don't think we can deny that we're in a point in history at least in this country where we're just in a state of shock and terror. We're afraid of everything. And our, our, our politicians, not just one of them, but lots of them, are playing on those fears. Mm. And they're manipulating us through those things. And mm. we forget the same. I mean, this is what's happening in Israel. They are a people who are terrified. They're feeling oppressed. They're feeling pushed down. They're feeling helpless. And they have a bunch of political figures saying, if you just follow me, I'm going to bring you out of it. If you just follow me, I will make you great. If you just follow me, I'll fix all the problems. I'll hurt your enemies. I'll do this or that. They're not listening to the voice of God who's saying, no. Be patient, wait on me, because mm. I will act. Is not my arm strong enough? Is not my word powerful enough to dry up the oceans at a single breath? Mm. Wait on me. And they're not doing that. And then here comes this moment when he finally says, okay, the waiting's over. I'm here. And he marches into Jerusalem. But what he does is the exact opposite, not only of what all the politicians are saying, but of what we expected and what we wanted. And he does the opposite, which is a great, in, uh, um, a great, uh, what do you call it, segue 
into the second reading, the, the great canonic hymn of Philippians. Absolutely. Which explains why the greatness of... I, I was uh, in my rosary today. I, I um, was praying the rosary this morning, and I, I was reflecting, or maybe it was yesterday. So we've talked this about this before. I love one of my favorite ways to pray the rosary is... is um, interjections. Interjections, which John Paul II, when he, he, he spoke about this, of when you get to the line, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, pausing and trying to find what is Jesus doing in in the story and the mysteries at this moment and i was i was praying it must have been yesterday yeah because it was a sorrowful i was praying on the um the crowning of thorns yes and i was just thinking about politics i've been engrossed in politics lately and i can't stop thinking and reading and listening to stuff and it's driving me a little bit nuts as i'm sure it is a lot of you guys out there but i'm thinking about all of our politicians and this this power and the the longing the lust for power and attractiveness and and whatever and i'm thinking okay jesus's sign as the most powerful figure in human history was a crown of thorns this mm. is his power but that's that's precisely what philippians is saying it's though he was not just in the form of god he was god he didn't count that equality with god as something to be not just grasped, but exploited, used, shoved in people's faces, beaten over the head with. Rather, he empties himself totally, being found human in appearance. He emptied himself, even becoming obedient to death, death on a cross. But it's because of that that God exalts him. And the word in Greek is literally, he's super exalted because of that. So, and it's precisely, again, you're Israel, you're waiting for God to step in, you think that he's abandoned you. You've, you, you might even realize your own guilt of, wow, I, I really messed up. We as a people have really messed up. Now what? Is God even just going to forget about us? Do we need to take matters into our own hands? Should we wait on him at all? What do we do? Here's all these different figures. They're saying that they're speaking with the voice of God. They're saying that what they're saying is the truth. Some of it sounds really attractive. Some of it I'm not sure of. There's all these voices coming in on me. Again, it's just like today. And here comes this guy who's finally stepped it up, but stepped it up for the sake of sacrificing himself. Yeah. And he says, follow me. That's so radical and it's so different than anything we were expecting or anything we were desiring. Right. But there's something about that that every human heart is drawn to. And I'm convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that on one level or another, we are made for the recognition of that. Even if we're mad about it or frustrated by it or confused by it, we're all drawn to it in some form or another. Why is it that atheists always love to just berail Christians and come after us and keep talking about us? It's like we're what occupies their thoughts more than anything because mm -hmm. there's something about the truth of the story of Christ that draws all of humanity Yes. And that's what Paul is getting at in Philippians. And it's because of that self-emptying that every knee, including Caesar's, including the president's, including all the candidates, every knee will bow. Every knee will bend because of that complete self-sacrificing, self-emptying humility, which doesn't seem very attractive. But for one reason or another, we're all inexplicably drawn to. Dude, well, yes and no, it is. it seems attractive, dude. Obi-Wan Kenobi, dude. Let's be honest. Like, dude, when you look like Obi-Wan in episode four, A New Hope, or if when you look at Harry Which Potter. Which was the best one. Let's just get that out. Yeah, yeah. Or you look at Harry Potter. You look at um, those who are willing to, like, like, there is an essential component to the, 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 I mean, it's written all over our narratives. The one who's finally willing to sacrifice themselves 
is the one who actually is able to obtain the, what they need by only by forsaking exactly what they are seeking after. But here's the problem with narrative. Everybody, you watch Star Wars. Who does everybody want to be? We want to be. We all want to be Luke Skywalker, or we want to be um, Darth Harrison, Vader, Harrison Ford. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we all want to be Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, wanna, uh, yeah, yeah. We're all. What is his name? Han Solo. Han Solo. At least I, when I was a kid, that's who I wanted to be. Obi Wan, like that, like that's an incredible act. He is the key to everything. But right. I don't know if I could be that. I don't want to. I'm afraid to want to be like him. So I want to be like Luke, who's a whiny. You know, <laughs> I'm going to Tashi punk. Station to pick up some power converters, <laughs> or or Han Solo. You know, we want to be the big heroes because those are easier to wrap our minds around. Right. But Han Solo is the key. To, uh, no, Obi Wan is the key to everything. But we don't. We're afraid to want to be like that. You know yes, what I mean? We absolutely. don't want to be. We want to watch Sam and Frodo in the Lord of the Rings. I don't know if I want to be Frodo. Yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. But that's what we're. But there's something about those figures that, are, <laughs> oh boy. Well, yeah, and 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 that's why they're they're exalted. Yeah, yeah. And and, and like, what Jesus is saying is, that's who I want you to be. Don't be Peter. That's great to be Peter. Don't hey. just be Simon and Andrew. Don't be those guys. Yeah. But be like me. Right. Follow Peter. Do all you know. Follow the saints. Follow these paths. But as long as they're leading you to me. Right. But and and. and Praise be to God that we have the saints because sometimes it's hard to wrap our minds around that. We're like, okay, I can get Peter. You right. know, I can get um, John. I can get whoever it is. I don't know if I can wrap my mind around Jesus. And he's calling us to wrap our minds around being that. Right. Or at least following after that. Yes. Being conformed to him. I don't know. It's a fascinating. I can see, but to your point, you can see why the Jews in the first century really struggled with this. You can see why people were confused and like, I don't know about this guy. It's not a very attractive message. Imagine, a, imagine a political. Imagine today in 2016, a political candidate whose soul, whose primary message is dying to yourself, sacrificing your wealth, sacrificing your goods for for the sake of your neighbor. Not in a socialist way, not in a political way, but right. in a very personal. I will sacrifice myself for the sake of you. Well, it's, it's unthinkable. It is. I mean, like it's. It, I, I look at our uh, our Catholic president of mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, ask not what you can oh, yeah, your yeah, country yeah. can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Like yeah. there is there is that inversion, and when you hear it, you're like, dude, I actually am called to be noble, and like yeah. there is something about it. That'd be like, oh, yeah. yeah, you're like, yeah, like hold on, how do I? How do we actually come to the place of that rather than yeah. like. I'm gonna get mine. Show me the Benjamins. Where's yeah. where's the money? Like that's how politicians win. Yep. It's like I'm gonna give you stuff. I'm gonna give you, you know, uh, uh, bread and circuses. Is, yeah. I mean, like this is as <laughs> like this is as bread and circuses. <laughs> I've never heard that, <laughs> but I love that, it. That, that was uh, is, wasn't that a Caesar Augustus like give them bread and circuses? Uh, like maybe I, I. That's what my dad always used to tell me. I don't know if it's true. I hope it is. <laughs> so. So, Bonham so, and Bailey! <laughs> it's ironic. Sorry, I meant to mention this back in uh, the first reading. I just want to point out the irony. Um, <laughs> well, let's hold it for now. Let's talk about the gospel, and then I want to point out something ironic in the first reading. Dude, how do we even talk about the gospel? I read the gospel, and I'm like, it, it, like it's basically like everything. Like, how do you... I, I, I I've, was, been, I've been thinking about... Yeah. I was reading a commentary. I read a lot of commentaries this morning because this is this long section. It starts with the Last Supper 
And it ends with the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus is led off in arrest. And I read a commentary that was saying basically the bulk of this whole section, if you read it right, it's a giant farewell speech on the part of Jesus, oh. which is its own kind of literary form. And you see other biblical figures giving farewell speeches. Uh, and he was uh, making the argument. Elisha and Elijah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Moses. But he was making the argument that this constitutes one very long farewell speech. And mm. the theme, if there is a theme throughout the whole thing, it's that nobody gets Jesus. Right? They're totally misunderstanding. They're right. talking about their own greatness. Yeah, They're confused. Oh, absolutely. Which the irony, if you go back to that first reading, is that what did the servant song begin by saying? He has given me a well-trained tongue. The gift of having a well-trained tongue, which absolutely no one understands, is just such a striking irony to me. <laughs> it's not that Jesus is saying the wrong things. Yeah. But imagine... I mean, you probably have this experience. I mean, you speak, you teach, you you say things, and you just know that no one understands. You know you're, what you're saying is right. You know what you're saying is true, but yet you just have to resign yourself to the fact that nobody gets it. They're all deaf. Dude. I have a well-trained tongue. I'm giving a farewell speech about my death and about how to prepare yourselves for what's coming after, and none of you get it. Yeah. And I'm going to be okay with that because I know the Holy Spirit's going to come at Pentecost, and you'll get it then. Dude, Jeez, uh, just imagine the frustration of that. Dude, well, gosh, I talk about the, I mean, frustration, y- y- absolutely. No, like, it, like you just touched something inside of me that I was not aware. There's those moments where you are, like, standing on your tippy toes trying to possibly communicate the depth of understanding which has been revealed and, and, and that you know that God wants people to be able to receive and yet their hearts and their minds and their spirits are not able to to actually receive it because they haven't done the they they they, they haven't allowed themselves the space to be able to receive it it's like a yeah. cup that's so full cannot receive any more yeah but is it that their cup is full is that why they're not receiving i mean i i, I mean i'm thinking contemporarily i mean like yeah. come on you know when you know when you're consumed with all the stuff with your family and your relationships and your things and you're looking yeah. around and you're like, I don't even know how to pray right now. Like For sure. I just don't know if that's where the disciples are. No, I don't. And, I, and, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm, I'm making an application yeah. of it. But that would be, there, there's something about that that's like, okay, I understand why you don't get this. Right. That Which is, seems different from, you really should get this, but you still don't. Uh, and nevertheless... I'm resigning myself to that being okay. That That's the fascinating thing. Again, there's so much that you're going to hear at Mass in this gospel. The fascinating thing is Jesus, I don't want to call it resign. I don't want to call it resignation exactly. Acceptance, that, that all of it's too weak. Jesus is okay with the fact that they don't get it and they should. Because he knows that they will. But he's also just got this profound page. I mean, he marches into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He, this is the moment that all of humanity has been waiting for since the dawn of hu- the human race, since the dawn of creation. He, this is the, one of the climactic moments of all of human history, and everyone is shouting at him and wants to put him to death. The utter blindness and deafness and non-receptivity to the very people who should be most receptive because they know salvation history. Because they've been prepared. But for Jesus to, that's not even the most striking part, though. The most striking part is Jesus says, it's okay. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. The fact that 
Because again, what, what's Israel's call? Israel's call was to be patient, to wait on the Lord. Jesus, again, like you said before, he takes on Israel's role by being obedient, by being patient, by saying, fine, they're going to put me to death. Eventually they'll get it. Well, you know, I mean, the, the root of the word patient comes from pasiens, which means to suffer. I didn't know that. Yeah, I yeah. I should have known that. That's yeah, Latin, yeah. though. You and your Latin garbage. Yeah, oh, Mr. Greek Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> Just forsake the rest of church history, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Hebrew <laughs> Greek. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I mean, no, I think it's really important. Like, patience is actually a capacity for suffering. That's fascinating, isn't it? It's so fascinating. And it's the call of Israel throughout the whole Old Testament. It's what Jesus embodies. And now... It's what we're asked to do. Again, I'm just, I'm, I'm at this point politically and spiritually where I just want, you know, I want to go on Facebook. I just want to yell at everybody and be like, what's wrong? Don't you see, at least in my mind, the root is this way or this is what we should do. But to actually realize, no, God is in control of this. Granted, God allows us to make mistakes. God allows us to choose freely things that will hurt us. But yet to still stand back and say, I'm not going to. I'm not going to lose my mind today right? because of the political structures or because of what's happening in our society or because of our culture. I can't lose my mind because that's to cease to believe that God actually is in control of it. Right. Despite the fact that he allows us to have consequences right. to our no, actions. Right, that's so crucial. Which is a balance. But that, you know, Jerusalem fell and God still saved his people. Babylon fell. Rome fell. All of these cultures have fallen, but God still, his church has not. The people of God have never been eradicated, mm. and never will they be. And what if the worst happens and we all die and we're killed in a persecution? Well, then we believe that there will be a resurrection of the dead and eternal life. There's really nothing for us to be afraid of. Politicians shouldn't scare us. Societal conflict shouldn't scare us. Um, nations rising up against nations really shouldn't scare us because there's nothing that can happen to the Christian that God cannot bring greater good out of, even if it's our own death. There's nothing. Right. So what do we do? We sit and we wait patiently. We do what we can. We work while there is light, right? But ultimately, we are patient, which means suffering oftentimes. Yeah. I keep thinking about, I think I told you this the other day, I kept thinking in prayer about that, uh, the prayer of... Um, of Padre Pio, St. Padre Pio, who said, pray, hope, and don't worry. And I was like, I just need to do that. I just need to do what Padre Pio said, pray, hope, and don't worry. But don't worry, the words don't worry came out of this guy, out of the mouth of this guy whose hands were had blood and holes coming out of them. I'm like, not worrying it doesn't mean everything's going to be super. Not worrying means, yes, I have big gaping holes in my hands, but that's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? We hear don't worry and we want to be the health and wealth gospel. Don't worry because everything's going to be super and God's going to make us happy. And yeah, we want to be uh, Alfred E. Newman or yeah. Bobby McFerrin. <laughs> we could all do a lot better if we were Bobby McFerrin. <laughs> but don't worry means, no, you're going to suffer. Be patient with it. Suffer well, but it's okay. Right. You know what I mean? Which yeah. is a whole different mindset. That's what Israel is being told. That's what God is. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples constantly throughout this whole farewell discourse, washing their feet, doing the Last Supper, calling them to serve one another, going into the Garden of Gethsemane, saying, "Stay awake with me, please." You know, it's funny as he goes in the garden, and he's the one thing he asked of his disciples was, "Stay awake with me." Right. What the one thing they could not do was, was stay st awake with him. But what does Jesus do? 
He stays awake himself. He does what they could not do. Right. So we read the story in the sense of like, oh, they blew it, which, yeah, they blew it. But we don't read it from the more true perspective of Jesus took it on. Yeah, they blew it, but he did it instead. And he took on their burden. That's the beauty of the story. Yeah, they blew it. Yeah, we're going to blow it. Yeah, the disciples blew it. You and I are going to blow it. But Jesus is going to take on that burden if we can be patient and suffer well. Which is the story of passion of Palm Sunday of of the whole week. Yep. Right. We're entering into this week of profound darkness, and you got, this is the thing I love about the church, and the, the part of what brought me back to the church after straying for a while is that the church is not afraid to embrace the cross. Right. We don't take the corpus off the cross. We leave it there. Because we don't have a faith in which, oh, it's always Easter Sunday. It always feels super. It's always great. Right. And we're like, no, it, it stinks most of the time. So let's embrace that. Let's not pretend it doesn't. Let's not pretend it just doesn't exist and all the suffering is going to go away. Let's embrace it. Be like, well, and it was the only faith, as far as I could tell in the world, that it fully embraces suffering. It doesn't right. just give you a route to get out of it or a way to escape from it. It fully tackles it head on says, yeah, you're going to suffer, but that's all right. And it's profoundly beautiful. And and the reason why it's all right is not because we just gut it out. Right. But that Christ has gone there before us and his name is super exalted above every other name. Yeah. And that's that's what what's that's what the work that we do during Holy Week and during Palm Sunday is that we join ourselves to Christ. Not that we're just going to gut it out and make it so that we're so cool. Yeah. And we're so filled with all of these things. Rather, we accompany him, the one who is actually able to do it. And that has made all the difference. Yeah. You know what I'm going to do this Sunday? Talk to me. We're going to stand for a really long time. Yep. And I'm going to be holding Samuel, who is like, weighs like 180 pounds now. He's just, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's just huge. And my, I, you know, I have this, this great words. I'm like, oh, we suffer and it's great and it's profound and spiritual. But I'm going to stand at mass on Sunday morning and my knees are going to get tired and I'm going to, I'm going to lose track of what you're saying at some point. Right. Cause my mind's going to drift. And I'm going to think about my legs and I'm going to think about how heavy Samuel is. And I'm just going to want to sit down and I'm going to try. I'm going to, you said the other day to me, just try to foresee the times that you're going to fall. Yes. I'm going to foresee that moment. And I'm going to say to myself when my legs get tired and when my feet are sore and when I'm just sick of standing, cause I have to stand for what a minute and a half or something absurd. That's not that big of a deal. Right. I'm going to say my feet hurt. And that's okay. Right. And I'm going to embrace it because right. Christ embraced it first. And that's my, it's, it sounds so pathetic, doesn't it? That we can't stand for a couple of minutes listening to this reading. Okay. But it's amazing when you're in the moment of those tiny little sufferings that they seem like everything. Right. And that's precisely where I think God wants to call us. Amen. Because we want to make it far too big and we want to make it distant and big and grandiose. And it makes us forget the tiny little moments of suffering where he's actually calling us to embrace. Truth. So my challenge to everybody is when you're standing in Palm Sunday... And your feet start to hurt and you're holding your huge five-year-old or whatever you is, whatever it is to embrace that moment and be like, I'm going to turn my ears back to what Father's saying and I'm going to listen and this is really, really good. And if we can do that, then God will lead us to the next thing and he'll lead us to the next thing and eventually God's going to conquer the world through us. And, and then we're going to be entered into reigning with him. Indeed. Y'all, thank you for joining us. I mean, God bless you and that you would be able to uh, 
to be able to enter into this Holy Week in its overtures mm. and in its details. Indeed. We will see you for the vigil. We will see you for the vigil. Boom. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye.